Hello and welcome to Credit Shift News and Update. This week, we are again joined by our co-host, Webio CEO, Cormac O'Neill, and we are here to explore some of the recent news stories, events, reports, and trends in the credit industry. Let's dive into the details. This week in general credit industry news. The FCA sounds the alarm to the insurance industry, or protection product manufacturers, as they were referred to, on poor practices it has identified following the introduction of the consumer duty in July. It cited the reliance on third parties, current oversight of appointed representatives, and a lack of operational resilience within firms to the detriment of customers and the wider market. The regulator pointed out very long wait times, weak identification of vulnerable customers, and the continued sale of products that do not provide fair value, as well as discriminatory pricing practices. It will be interesting to see what happens when companies plead that they are not able to address these problems in the timeframes being demanded by the FCA. I know one company they could ring today. If they want to reach out, you know where to find me. The UK Competition and Markets Authority, CMA, has published a report, AI Foundation Models, outlining the opportunities and risks that occur with the new generative AI foundation models. We usually refer to these as LLMs in this podcast. The report outlines the competition and consumer protection risks posed by foundation models, such as an increase in false and misleading information and AI-enabled fraud. It's great to see the UK government and the EU really get out there uh, ahead and alerting customers to these uh, risks and businesses and other service organizations as the need to really get their thinking caps on here is, is just more than ever right now. Given that the report specifically identifies intelligent assistants or chatbots as being capable of incorrectly selling products or generating fake reviews for those products, I think this report shows how incredibly important it is for financial service companies to be on top of these issues. Good news for savers this week from Nationwide, which launched an account paying market-leading 8% interest. It is also offering £200 payment to anyone who moves to it using their switching service. The 8% interest rate lasts a year and the customer can save up to £200 a month in the online managed account, which permits up to three withdrawals within 12 months. If four or more withdrawals are made, the rate on the account will drop to 2.15%. Given that there are many challenger banks offering deposit and savings products, there should be more offers coming to market soon, uh, would be my guess. Uh, others think there'll be actually fewer products coming to market, by the way, as there's movements in uh, interest rates. The average easy access account pays around 3.08%, while the top easy access rate on the market is 5.05% from challenger bank Paragon according to money facts. So this, I think, ties into the theme we were going through last week, which was the need for companies to really have uh, a clear view of treasury management, uh, having deposits on account, being able to manage their cash flows, not having to borrow, and of course, uh, not being um, subject to too many late payments or indeed no payments on the loans that they were given. Cormac, lots to digest here. Inflation and interest rates obviously doing their little dance here. Is there anything that strikes you this week from these new snippets? 
Hey, Paul. All right. So first thing that jumps out is that nationwide eight percent interest rate. That's a really, really good interest rate. Um, I'm assuming these interest rates, they're all relating to the UK market and, and to UK customers. Yeah. All right. So what that tells me, Paul, is that here in Ireland, there's a um, a real lack of competition because we ain't getting rates that are anywhere near that that's been offered to um, anybody who's fortunate enough to have deposits here in Ireland. We're, we're not getting these type of rates. Um, I'm almost certain that I saw a pause in interest rate hikes uh, coming out of the UK yesterday. Um, so so that's interesting. That follows on on what happened over in the US. They did likewise. Um, and now we're just going to have to do a wait and see uh, what the um, what our EU friends do. They, they hiked the rates again at their last meeting. I suspect that could be the last one. And we're going to be in a period of pause. Uh, and hopefully for all those folks out there on variable or tracker mortgages and, and, and loans that the downward cycle will start somewhere in 2024. So that's what it's kind of looking like. Um, the other one I would, I'm going to jump back to is the FCA and, and consumer duty. Obviously, this was front and center of a lot of people's mind. So a real shock horror here. They found out that there are very long waiting times in insurance companies. <laughs> Who knew, Paul, right? Who knew? <laughs> That's a real shocker, that one, right? Um, yeah, and look at the, the weak identification of vulnerable customers. This is this is stuff that these organizations are just uh, starting to grapple with. And I liked your little plug there for Webio because, uh, yeah, these are problems that we actually solve at Webio. The thing that I would highlight, these things are not going to be solved overnight, right? You just can't wave a magic wand and go suddenly, you know, your your the very long wait times disappear or your ability to identify vulnerable customers is going to change overnight. It's going to take a little bit of time, as you rightly point out in here, for organizations to adapt, but they're just going to have to. The only way to meet a lot of the requirements here is to go digital. You know, you're not going to do it otherwise. So look, at if, if these organizations, insurance companies financial services companies, DCAs, debt collection agencies, if they don't have a digital strategy in play and well in play, uh, you know, I'd be concerned for them. So they're, they're, my, they're my takeaways in that, Paul. I, I think that's a great point, Cormac. The, perhaps this is a proxy measure for mm-hmm. how digital somebody yeah. actually is. Mm-hmm. The more they're open to these consumer duty um, allegations and uh, charges, the more you could actually say, maybe this is an indication of the degree to which they are not digital. Correct. Um, I'd agree. I think that's that's worth following. Super. Okay, moving on to section two. This week, we visit fintech trends. A new report from Finch Capital on the state of European fintech 2023 provides some insights that could be useful guidelines in your strategic planning process. Venture capital tends to follow the new disruptive trends and seeing where they are placing their bets are good indicators as to where they see value flowing to. The headline is that last year was a terrible year for fintech funding. Overall funding was down 70% year on year. Ireland is among the hardest hit with a decline of 94% and Spain among the most resilient with a decline of 24%. There have been some fairly high profile valuation declines with the likes of Stripe and Aiden. But according to Fintech or Finch, all Fintech is going to have to undergo a revaluation reset. Payment companies and challenger banks are no longer the number one subcategory, having been dethroned by crypto and lending. 
We've been following this embedded lending trend on credit shifts, so this shouldn't come as much of a surprise to you, but I genuinely was a bit surprised with the degree to which crypto had um, been followed. Obviously, lending services are now seeking to decrease loan losses. So anything that helps this objective is getting focus, as we were exploring last week. Companies are also looking to deposit services as a source of their own financing. There is also now a fintech focus on software that has recurring revenues with strong margins, what we would call a good software as service propositions. After a decade of slow adoption, there seems to be some hope that there will now be some consolidation and compelling use cases to emerge from the open banking area um, and hoping that that delivers on its early promise. Another area to receive uh, attention in the report is generative AI, what we call Gen AI, which sees strong adoption in the insurance sector being a sector that is being a particular attractive market. Again, we see customer service assistance as a strong contender, but also claims prevention. So it's a strong contender from the point of view of it's seen as being able to deliver a lot of value. And it's also much, uh, it's very attractive to the enterprise to be able to adopt it. So again, um, uh, interesting to see that pointed out. Claims are also an area where customers really experience what a service is. They signed up for a service. Let's see what it actually delivers to them in their time of need. And doing this well might be very positive for brands. Um, anyway, bit of a sidebar with that, but I think claims management and claims processes, or maybe people understanding, should I be making a claim? Is this a, a good, um, uh, am I entitled to make it? Good LLMs dealing with that kind of a process, I think, would would make a big difference there. Finally, RegTech and Know Your Customer, also called KYC, are being uh, uh, favored with investors, probably indicating that compliance is a major trend. And the cost of being compliant is likely to be trending upwards over the next couple of years. I also like the analytical approach being taken in the report here, in that they also break down the job of the CFO and HR leader into their jobs to be done. And then they figure out how digitization and automation can help those, uh, those, those roles in those companies. So big update, obviously a very tough year for fintech companies. Um, Cormac, what do you think uh, the takeaways from this might be for startups, for enterprises, for our listeners who maybe are looking at their own strategic trends in this area? Look, uh, those drops in fintech funding obviously are, are eye-watering and really do catch your eye, right? But I think you got to remember the money flow that went into fintech over the last number of years was just colossal. Um, and that was never going to be sustainable at that level. So I think we're seeing a level out there. And, you know, as we know, our friends in Finch really have the finger on the pulse when it comes to FinDex. So they're going to be um, they're going to be seeing what's happening. But I, I think that FinTech and the value of FinTech isn't going to go away. Yeah, we're going to see. Obviously, we're seeing a drop in, in the money flows into it. But there's still a lot of mileage left in what FinTech can do and what it can achieve over the next number of years is, is my um, I've said this to you before, I know absolutely nothing about crypto. 
Um, and I've decided I'm just not going to learn uh, at this stage. Uh, I know it's look. I, I know it's probably you know it's it's uh, it's going to revolutionise everything and uh, et cetera, et cetera. But not it's it's the one I've decided I'm not going to try and get my head wrapped around. So uh, so I'm going to do a pass. I've no comment to make on on that one. What I would say uh, a couple of things. I think what you're saying about claims is really interesting. I think Gen AI would be very suited towards the claims process. Uh, and could really add value there. So that's certainly one to to look uh, look out for in in the years ahead. The compliance, the red tech, uh, red tech, and the KYC know your customer. Ah, oh, this is becoming so um, on point, so 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 popular now at the moment. Even myself, the know your customer requirements now have just exploded. Uh, they really have, they really have, you know, and we're seeing that ourselves in our business and what we have to do. So that is definitely one that's um, flavor of the month at the moment. And I'm, I think you're going to see some more bets on that whole compliance area. It really is huge. The other area, again, you know, uh, finance is my is my background and the area of, of CFO and fractional CFO, again, has become very, very popular, particularly you mentioned about startups and, and scale ups that don't maybe need a full role or a full time role in that finance CFO function. That whole idea of a fractional CFO um, is becoming very, very popular. I see a lot of value in it myself. Um, so I think that's an area that's going to continue to grow and not just fractional CFOs. The concept of having, a, I guess, a fractional marketeer um, or a CMO, uh, you know, the, this idea could really start to um, to to grow more and more, um, you know. So and I, I think from Webio's point of view, I mean, as you know, Paul, we're actively using uh, Gen AI and what we're trying to do for our customers uh, you know, we're firmly in the camp that this is going to change customer engagement um, uh, in the years ahead. And we're we're putting big bets on that in terms of what's going to happen there and the value it can add to customers. Going back to those wait times we spoke about earlier, I think it's got a huge role to play in uh, reducing those wait times that customers have to get answers to queries. Um, so, yeah, I think we're going to see a lot, a lot happen there. Yeah, I think those trends make a lot of sense when when looked at uh, together, which brings us to our third section, um, which is uh, an update on, I guess, uh, AI. It seems you can't mention technology without mentioning AI, and you can't mention AI without mentioning LLMs and foundation models. And this week, Morgan Stanley Wealth Management launched an, a, an open AI powered assistant for all its advisors. So that's live today, as well as enabling staff to ask questions about the market, make recommendations or look up internal processes. It gives staff more time to spend with the client. Not only that, but another plan solution is being called Debrief that automatically summarizes the content of client meetings and generates follow-up emails. This is definitely based on months and months of fine tuning, test cycles, and is based on um, according to Morgan Stanley, based on over 100,000 documents with containing their own proprietary insights. So they've taken all their knowledge bases, all their documents, fed it into an LLM, have trained that LLM, and are now making it available to their agents. Um, I think these giants of finance look at technology as a real differentiator and, and value creator. 
But the speed at which this is happening is maybe a function of the way that the UI is so easy to use. We can all use sentences. We mostly all know about how to text chat. Uh, there aren't any new behaviors that we have to learn. So I think that might give some way to explain why it's gone so big so fast um, in traditionally, you know, very difficult to move in financial services organizations. Um, this week, even Amazon Alexa received an LLM update. So expect another uptick in interest, all things conversational over the next few months. Um, Cormac, I, I think that it's, it is genuinely breathtaking the, the speed at which this, um, foundation model LLM technologies being embedded in other applications. I don't know if you have any views on what that means for maybe companies that aren't the same size as, as Morgan Stanley. Yeah. So, so look at, I think regardless of what size you are as an organization, there's a role that LLMs can can play in your in your operation in your business. Look, it doesn't it doesn't discriminate against size of organizations. It's equally as effective for a a Morgan Stanley as it is for a Webio in terms of its uh, as what it could do. Like you were on that internal call that we had, Paul, where we asked the team and many people were currently using an LLM to help them in their daily work. Out of the 37 employees we have, 35 are currently using it in some shape or form, whether that's in marketing, sales, uh, operations, dev, they're all using it fully compliant, um, adhering to our policies and procedures. You'll be glad to hear. So it can have an impact regardless of what um, uh, what size of an organization you are. You just you almost need to just set up your own little team, your own little pod to look at how you can use LLMs in your organization. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Um, look, as an early adopter of Alexa, you know, when it came out day one, I just loved Alexa. There's about, I don't know, many echo dots there are around my house here. There's a lot of them. Um, they're even talking to each other these days. The the Alexa, I just I just love the technology from from day one. So, um, if there is serious added value that LLMs can bring to Alexa, I'm I'm all for it. I think that'd be that'd be great to see. Um, so yeah, look at it, 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 just you you gotta you gotta grasp this. There, don't don't sit back and watch this one, folks. You know, get engaged with what this technology can potentially do for your organization. I really would encourage. Uh, I'm repeating myself here now, but I would encourage uh, everybody to take a look at it uh, and see because it will make an impact. Uh, I'm a hundred percent sure of that. I'm looking at uh, the Amazon. I've been waiting for Amazon to really make a big move here because. Google are making big moves. Microsoft this week just uh, announced that Copilot was going to be native with everything in the browser. Um, so pretty much anyone with a, a new Windows update, which is coming this week, next week, uh, to your your Microsoft Power desktop, will have de facto a Copilot in their PowerPoints, in their in their Word documents, mm -hmm. etc. So I think the world is learning very quickly that this co-pilot functionality is kind of something that is going to help them do their job, make it easier. It 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 may make new jobs, uh, like uh, it may create opportunities to do things that you didn't do before. But I see right now the focus from an application point of view is just helping you do the work you did before, just do more of it. Um, maybe where you could do five documents, now you can do 50. Or where you could be in three conversations, now you're in 30. So it's kind of 10xing the amount of things you can do, 
but it's still doing the same things. And I was listening to Kane Sims on VUX World during the week, and Kane was making the point that, um, which we've also made in an earlier podcast, that really there's little evidence that this is making people unemployed or it's losing jobs. The main thing it's doing is helping companies deal with the volume of work that they have to do already. There's under capacity in companies for dealing with the amount of work that they have to deal with. And if people can be more productive, they can get more done. They're still just digging into the work that's there to be done. Um, so I, I found that very interesting because Kane is a, across a lot of companies and sees a lot of a lot of things. Um, and it's also interesting, I think, that Alexa, which which was in everyone's house, which was there for two years ago, was on nearly every every tech person's desktop. Um, that really died down and and really kind of was being, I think, almost um, uh, EOL, right, end of line. But this new e uh, power from uh, Alexa to be an LLM-powered assistant, what it's doing is it's creating this context capability at the front of the funnel. So instead of having to understand exactly how to speak to Alexa, how to instruct it, how to ask it to do things, and the LLM will disambiguate that. It makes it, you can say things in many, many different ways, and Alexa will understand the thing you're asking it to do. And it will also be able to do mu much more of the informational interactions while still, uh, 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 what you call it, integrating into the existing proven technologies of their NLU, natural language understanding engines. And and so I think it's going to be very interesting to see what happens because it may create a resurgence in the um, in the promise, the early promise of the uh, conversational and voice UI, which did not take off to the degree that people thought it would. So very interesting to see Amazon come through with that. I know you're a huge enthusiast of it, so we'll be right back to you to figure out how Cormac got on with his plethora of Alexas in the house. <laughs> nice one. Okay, folks, that's it for this week. Thank you again for joining us on Credit Shift News and Update. As usual, the reports and sources are available in the podcast details. Remember too to keep an eye open for news and updates and new developments at webio.com. 